First, I want to thank the pastor for uh, this opportunity to bring God's word. I don't take it for uh, granted. And I would like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. The Bible says, you don't have to stand. Let me give you a break. You know, some of you have told me, you says, I just want to let you know in advance, if I find something good on the TV, I ain't coming back. But I'm glad to see their faces here. That means the TV had nothing, or maybe the power's out, because I pray that they can come back tonight. Anyway, that's, that's just on a lighter note. Anyway, the Bible says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. In verse 36, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth the labors into his harvest. And now I'd like to draw your attention to verse 38 in the uh, first statement. Pray ye therefore. I would like you to underline that statement. And that brings uh, to, to our message tonight, I would like to speak on this thought, the prayer request. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, speak through me. Lord, help us to see the need in the world. And more so, Lord, help us to see the need of getting right with you. Be with us. We pray for all other missionaries that will be coming through this month. Lord, give them, uh, meet them at the point of their needs and help them get to the field quickly. We pray this believing and trusting in Jesus' name. So, uh, when we study the life of Jesus Christ, we find that a lot of his ministry has been, has been, uh, has been mentioned in the gospel synoptics. And so, when, when you study the book of Matthew in chapter 6, and chapter 7, what you find is that Jesus is placing a lot of emphasis on this uh, matter of prayer. And what he says is that we need to pray. And then in that same chapter, you come to find that he has mentioned in extensive the Sermon on the Mount. And what, I come to, and what I come to be convicted about is that the Sermon on the Mount is really life as a believer. And then it begs me to ask this question. What is God's expectation on us as believers? What does God expect of you? And then in that particular sermon, God introduces, for the first time, the Lord's Prayer. 
And he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I am also convicted that God was not giving us the Lord's Prayer so that we as believers pray that prayer in vain repetition. He was giving us that prayer as a model, as a template. What he was saying, I have given you the structure, and this is what you're supposed to pray. This is how you're supposed to pray. These are the items that you're supposed to include in your prayer request. And then later, you find Jesus saying, ask and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Why? Because ye have not, because ye ask not. He says, pray, ask, seek, knock. So you find God is really placing a lot of emphasis on this matter of prayer. And then he did not just mention it. He lived it. He did it. Exactly that. Why? Because you'll find so many instances in the Bible that has been mentioned that God with his disciples, he'll get on the side and he will say, hey, I want to go and speak to my father. I want to get alone. Even early in the morning, he will leave his disciples behind and he will say, hey, I want to go and get alone with my father. I need to speak to my father because I need to figure, I need to find out his plans for my life. So you find he's mentioned the prayer is a very important thing in his life. And then it reminds me of the Garden of Gethsemane. He is about to be offered as a sacrifice. And he tells his disciples, would you watch and pray with me? Would you watch and pray with me? And then we come to, we come to a verse here. And Christ is telling us, there is something I want you to pray with me. There is something special I want you to pray with me. And the first thing that I want us to see about this prayer request is the timing, the timing of this prayer request. Look with me again uh, in verse 35. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You know, Jesus says, hey, you know, I needed to pray. And But when you look at that verse 35, it says, you know, he went about all the villages. He started with the cities and then he went to the villages and he was teaching in their synagogues. And what was he teaching about? He was teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. So the Bible is very clear that this is a very busy season. He cannot just move from one city to the other city, from a village to the village, if he is idle. He is busy. He is in ministry. He is a full swing. From the moment he stepped out, uh, he steps out uh, of obscurity, and he receives baptism at the hands of John the Baptist. He is a full swing. He knows that he got three and a half years 
to accomplish what God has him do before he dies on the cross of Calvary. He knows that he got men to, uh, to train. He knows that he got churches to, uh, to, to plant. He also knows that he has to prepare the world for his departure. So you can see it is a busy moment. It's a busy season. And you know what he says? I need you to pray. I need you to pray. And you can imagine God in the flesh just preaching the same word that he writes. And he is delivering this message with passion. With a lot of passion. And guess what? When he is preaching, he is drawing people. The people are coming to him to listen. And he says he went to every city. He went to every village. And I can only think about the cities. The pockets of population. You know when you go to the major cities, people live on top of each other. Like here in Tulsa. It's not like in New York City or D.C. or Los Angeles, one of those big cities. We are, we are spread out here. But when you go to those major cities, people live on top of each other. And then you go to the villages. People live off the farmland. But Jesus says, hey, I'm going to all the cities. And then from the cities, I'm going to all the villages. And what is he going to do? He is going to preach about the kingdom. So you can imagine he was going to cities like Jerusalem. He was going to cities like Caponium. He was going to cities like Tiberia and no other cities. So he is busy. And he is busy about the kingdom of God. And you know, oftentimes, we have a bucket list. And this bucket list, we, it's a bucket list containing things that we want to do before we die. Places that we want to go. If I, if I give you my bucket list, even my wife has given up on me. She's like, where are you going to get all that money? <laughs> One of the things on my bucket list, let me just tell you. It's just that now I have a knee problem, so that cancels it is to jump, skydive out of a plane, moving plane. My wife was like, why do you get out of a moving plane? The plane has no problem. <laughs> jump out of a moving plane in the Grand Canyon. How cool is that? <laughs> Can I hear some men say amen? amen? See, I'm not just alone, babe, see? <laughs> the other thing on my bucket list is to scuba dive 100 feet below the ocean, where it's just total uh, dark. Amen. That's another amen. <laughs> and we have so many. And you see, the things on our bucket list, they are not necessarily things that you can say, ministry. But I want you to see something here. Every place that Jesus went, every city, every village that he went, it was all about the ministry. It was all about the ministry. And he says, in every city and every village, preaching about the kingdom of God. So you'll come to find out it's not about the traditions that we have. It's not about keeping the law that will get us to heaven. What will get us to heaven is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the blood, through the blood that he shed on the cross. For without shedding of blood, there's no remission. The Bible says that. 
It's not our tradition. It's not keeping the law. It's through the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. And so the question tonight, if you die today, do you know where you would go? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And God is inviting you today that you can have a new life through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's all about ministry. And Jesus is moving. He is busy. So you can find the timing of the prayer request. The second thing that you'll find is the motivation of the prayer request. So you come to find that in, that, in verse 35, there's a lot of movement. He's busy. But then in verse 36, see what it says? But when he saw the multitude, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You'll see the motivation of the prayer request. And, uh, but I can just imagine when he saw them, when he saw them, he was moved, he was moved with compassion. You know what that reminds me? When Jesus saw them, He's not just looking at what he's not just looking at what we call uh, the superficies of life. You know the term saw? He saw them in a deeper meaning. He could see through them as he was interacting with them, as he was going from village to village, as he was uh, talking, as he was, you know, as he was just moving about the cities and villages. He saw their condition. He saw where they were. And he knew these people, it's not just what we call the superficial issues of life. And you know, in Kenya sometimes when, the, uh, when missionaries come and visit, we hold what we call medical camps. And with the medical camps is whereby uh, missionaries who, uh, who have knowledge in the medical field, they will come with expertise, and so we'll have, uh, you know, the, the nationals come, and then, uh, and so the doctor will come and talk to them, and then give them medicine, and then at the end, in the end, uh, they'll find somebody else who will ask them, and what is the condition of your heart? If you die today, would you go to heaven? But you see, a doctor can look at your outward look, and they can say, hey, Brother Maya, I think, I think you, 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 you got a problem. Why is your skin flaking? Why are your teeth falling off? Do you eat so much sugar? You see, the doctor can look at your outside look. But God saw beyond what we call meet the eye. He saw their condition. And he knew this they are sheep scattered. They faint. They are scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And you see, when it comes to these uh, superficies of life, sometimes we get to think that God is somebody distant there, and we are down here to do what so, and so, what, what so we please. And we think that God is disconnected to us, but I want to let you know that God is not distant. He, know, he knows what is going on in us. And he wants to get involved in our life. He does. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. There's nobody who made what we call superficial judgment. You know, my wife, and babe, I want, I want to throw you under the bus, but please forgive me. <laughs> Feed me some dinner, please. So, 
My wife, like many other wives, she likes to shop. She, she is not literally a big shopper. But often she'll ask me, hey, babe, can you take me to the mall? And you see, telling me to take her to the mall, literally, it's like putting a knife through my heart. <laughs> you see, to me, going to the mall is going in, getting it, and just getting out. Amen. But my wife going to the mall is going in and shopping. And that means he's going from one store to the other store to the other store, you know, checking out this dress, trying out this dress, checking out that shoe, maybe, I don't know. And sometimes she'll tell me, can we go back to the first store and I can buy there? And my question has always been, babe, we've been in the first store. Why didn't you buy it when we were in the first store? But you and I know that's not how it works. And so we live in this world, I mean, we, we have cell phones. So I'll drop her by the entrance of the mall, and I'll tell her, hey, babe, when you're done shopping, please just call me. <laughs> and so I'll go find a place to park. And you know what I'll be doing? People watching. Can I tell you, it's literally better than going to the zoo. <laughs> So let me tell you this. I'm seated there, and I'm like, oh, the way people are dressed nowadays, it's amazing. <laughs> didn't your mama tell you that you're supposed to dress properly before you get out of the house? You didn't have to get out of the house in your PJ. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Did you literally look into the mirror before you left the house because your hair is not combed? You still have the bed heads on your head. We make superficial judgments. And a lot of times when you're even introduced to somebody, you're kind of weary, and it takes some time for you to warm up to them because, yeah, ah, that's not my kind of person. But I can tell you, Jesus did not do that. Jesus did not do that when he saw them, when he saw their condition, where they were, he was moved with compassion. Let me give you another scenario. We have a lot of immigration into America. You know, I'm also an immigrant. And especially we have, uh, we have the Islamic community, a large Islamic community moving into America. When I lived in Tennessee, we had a, we had a large group of them from Syria that lived in, in a neighborhood. When you go to Dearborn, Michigan, it's, it's literally the mecca capital of America. And we may approve of it or not. The point is, the point is not whether we approve it or not, but it's here with us. That's a mission field. And if we are not careful as God's people, we will come into, we will fall into this mindset of, well, I cannot talk to that kind of person. I cannot talk to that kind of woman. Why? I cannot even see their smile. All I can see is the, their pupils. They're covered. Can I tell you what we're doing? We are making superficial judgment. And we don't know what is happening in their heart. 
We don't even know. We don't even have a clue of who they are. But I can tell you, Jesus did. He did. It says when he saw them, because he saw them deeper than the superficial issues of life. He never made any superficial judgment. And God is saying, do you see what I'm seeing? Do you see what I'm seeing? When he saw them, he was moved with compassion. And then he continues to say there, uh, when he continues to say there, because they fainted, they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. As sheep having no shepherd. You know what that means? They fainted. You know when somebody faints, it's either because they're dehydrated, you know, their blood sugar is so low, they're hungry, they have no energy. And when somebody has fainted, literally, they have no energy. They are helpless when they are down there. They are defenseless. And what comes to mind is the animal, the sheep. And the sheep is so helpless that without a shepherd, it's heading for destruction. And so God is saying, hey, do you see what I'm seeing? I want you to look and see those people. They have fainted. They have no shepherd. They are heading for destruction. And let me tell you, you know, sometimes we, we, we will think that, well, if we can do this and that, we'll fix the problem. So just like I said, we, have, we had elections in Kenya on 9th of August. That's almost a month, which was disputed. They are in court. We are going to have elections. Uh, uh, we're going to have midterms in America in November. And I'm all for electing the right leaders. Don't get me wrong. But I can tell you, if we think that electing the right leaders, if we think that fixing the economic issues that we have, if we think that uh, bringing the interest rates down is what is going to fix the problem, we are wrong because the mess is not political. The mess is not economical. The mess is spiritual. And this mess, the only person who can fix this mess is Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, he's having a relationship with Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, that is what will help us. And that is exactly what Jesus taught. That is exactly what he was preaching about. And so, Jesus says, I want you to see what I'm seeing. I want you to see what I'm seeing. And what I'm seeing, I'm seeing sheep that's fainted. I'm seeing sheep that's scattered abroad and they have no shepherd. And that is exactly what I want to see. I want you to put on my lenses. And I want you to see through my eyes, through my lenses, and see what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people that are defenseless, people that are heading for destruction. And these people, they are looking for a shepherd. These people, they are looking for one message, and that's the message that Jesus Christ is a savior. 
And that's what Christ is emphasizing on. And the next thing that we see is the pressure of this prayer request. The pressure of this prayer request. Look with me in verse 37. The Bible says, Then said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. You know, again, I said we live in a, uh, we live in a day whereby we have large commercial farming. And it doesn't mean that we don't have small farmers. Yes, we do have small farmers. But majority of America, we have large-scale farming. And this is whereby they, you know, they grow food on large tracts of land, acres and acres and acres. And I remember when I was in Bible college, I had a friend uh, from Lincoln, Nebraska. And so one day he was like, hey, Eustace, you know, when I go see some large firms, I was like, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Africa, from Kenya. I've never seen large firms. I mean, Kenya is, this, is smaller than Texas, and we have 50 million people, so let's go. So we took off. Can I see Missouri? And boom, we're in Lincoln, Nebraska. So we went to Lincoln and Omaha. Large wheat firms. Well, their neighbor had one of those large firms, and they had amazing tractors and big old combines. I was mesmerized. Can I tell you what? I had never seen such a big tractor. It had closed cabin. It had air conditioning. Something I've never seen. Can I tell you something else that was so cool that I saw? It had what we call an eight-track tape player. How many have seen the eight-track tape you know? And you know, that's, that's pre-digital. That's pre-cassette. That's what we call old school. Hey, guys, that's old school. You are not old school. You are Generation Z, I'm millennial. Then we have baby boomers. And before baby boomers, we, I think we have Generation X. Yeah. So baby boomers probably have seen them. Generation X and millennials have seen it, but I've seen it. And, in the, and I was like, what in the world is an A-track tape player? What is they doing here? But I came to find out that these combines, because they harvest acres and acres and acres so fast, so that these guys can really enjoy what they are doing, they just put an A-track tape player, and you know what it does when it goes to the end? It goes back to the beginning. But the problem is, if there is a song that you really enjoy, you have to wait for it to go around to come back to, come back to the point. But the point is, look at all these tracks, uh, all these large tracks of land. Look at all this machinery. But there is still one thing needed. They still needed labor. They still needed labor. So God was saying, it's not about, it's not time for commercial farming. It's not time for all this stuff. It's a time for one-on-one -on -one discipleship. It's, time, it's, it's a time for church planting. It's a time for door knocking. But you know, all these things, they require labors. They require labors. And that's what God is saying, hey, the harvest is truly plenteous. I want you to see this with me. The harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. Let me give you, let me give you one thing. There's something about harvest, one element about harvest that God wanted us to see here. When the harvest is ready, 
you do not have forever. You don't have forever because if you slack around, you will lose the harvest. God says, it's time to go and bring in the harvest. You don't have forever, you will lose the harvest. And God says, I want you to see this. We got vast fields. They are ripe. They are ready to be harvested, but we don't have labors. There is an urgency. There is an urgency. And God wants us to see that. There is an urgency. And God is saying, well, we may have all this machinery. We may have all these tractors. We may have all this land and everything, but we still require labor. And my fields are ripe, and we need labors. And God wants us to put his lenses and see what he's seeing. Can you see what God is seeing tonight? Can you see what he's seeing tonight? God wants us to put his lenses and see the world from his view. There are people dying out there. People are fainting out there. They have no shepherd. They are heading for destruction. The harvest is planters, but the labors are few. Lastly, what I want us to see, I want us to see the command of the prayer request. Look with me in verse 38. The Bible says, Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. See that statement I told you to underline, pray therefore. You know what it says? This is a command. He's saying, you know, I'm not asking you to pray when you feel like. I'm not asking you to pray whenever you want to. God says, it's a command. I'm commanding you to pray all the time. And you see, you don't go to harvest, and then you sit down. Once you harvest, you will consume that, and you still have to go back and harvest. So God says, you know, we cannot stop from knocking on doors. We cannot stop on inviting people to church. We cannot, we cannot uh, stop giving our testimony. We cannot stop building of churches. We cannot stop giving new missions. We cannot stop on all these gospel mission projects. God says, it's time to continue praying. It's time to continue praying. And so, when we think of the world, we think of a population of uh, over seven billion people living uh, on the planet. Overwhelming majority are lost. And, uh, and I had some statistics, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, these statistics, they are accurate as accurate as possible. And they're from World, uh, World View Ministries, which is a ministry that's trying to get Bibles to the people who don't have a Bible. And these World View Ministries, they're also trying, uh, they're also working on translating the Bibles into uh, languages that have no Bibles. And uh, uh, these worldview ministries, uh, it's a ministry of a local church that's based in Indiana. And so they just have a heart to uh, make a difference in this world. And I have asked these guys to throw some numbers on the screen. And now I'd like you to throw the first, uh, the first numbers, the first slide. And so what we can see is that we have 17,000 and 14 nations on earth. And what this means is that these are people groups. They're not necessarily like the nation of Kenya or whatever. They are just people groups in the world, and they are distinct groups. 
Go to the next slide. And out of those 9,951 nations have been reached. You know what that means? It means that there are some inroads that have been made into that area. We have some Christian activity going on. We got some, uh, some, some gospel that's being preached there. We have people getting saved. And so almost 10,000 of these people are being rich or have been rich with the gospel. Go to the next slide, please. And then we have 7,063 nations unreached. And so what this means is that there is less than 2% of the population as evangelical Christians. And so what this means is that we have very little church planting activity going on. We have very little gospel uh, movements going on. And so no, no much of Christian pre uh, presence there. And uh, we have no people on the streets, you know, trying to preach the gospel. Like how if you go to London today, you got people on the streets trying to preach the gospel. You go to Vancouver, Canada, you got people on the street trying to preach the gospel. You will not find that in those nations. Go to the next slide, please. We have 4,757 nations completely unengaged. And then you may ask me, what's the difference? So here's the difference. It means that nobody is even trying. Nobody is even saying, well, that's my people group. I want to go and share the gospel with them. They're completely unengaged. So, no gospel present, no scripture access, no one is doing something about it. Please go to the next slide. And then, we have 7,117 living languages. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that, this is what we call the heart language. And when you go to the heart language, these people, they communicate the origin. Like if you go, if you go uh, to a certain people group, unless you know the context of what they're talking about, you will get lost because they communicate their, their origin, their language of origin. And unless you are born and raised in that culture, even if you go to, uh, to school to study their language, they still have a heart language that you cannot be able to distinguish. We have 7,117 of those languages living on the face of the earth. Go to the next slide, please. Of these, 698 of these languages have a whole Bible. Do you have a whole Bible today? You're lucky. You're lucky. There are some people groups in the world that don't, even, that don't have that Bible. And you so, so sometimes we just ought to be ashamed of ourselves, how little we think of the word of God. Because there are so many people in the world that don't, even, that don't have none. Go to the next slide, please. There are 1,548 languages with only the New Testament. Only the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation. Go to the next slide, please. 1,138 have only a portion of the Bible. And you know what this is? It's John and Romans. John and Romans. Go to the next slide, please. 3,000. 
733 languages with no scripture or Bible whatsoever. No Bible, no scripture, no fixed point of reference, so to speak. And you see, it, it begs me to ask myself this question. Within the last 2,000 years, a better job ought to have been done than where we are right now, right? And because we live in a world, you know, of technology, I also tend to think right now, right now, we have more born-again believers currently living right now than we've ever had on the face of the earth. That's my own opinion. And Christians need to hear the voice of God. They need to hear the voice of God. And you see, when Jesus is saying, hey, look here, I see a great harvest. The harvest is through the planters, but the labors are few. You know what God is saying? God is saying, I need you to pray. I need you to pray that God will send your children. I need you to pray that God will use them. I need you to pray that God will fulfill his purpose through them, whichever that purpose may be. God is saying, I need to call you. I needed to see that need, not just your children. And so, we're in a missions month. And what I want you to know is that missions is the heartbeat of God. And what this missions month, what this missions conference is all about, it's all about us lifting up our eyes and seeing beyond where we are and seeing the fields and seeing the fields that are harvest seeing beyond these walls when you go to some other churches as you, as, as you exit the doors now they always have a sign now you're entering the mission field because once you leave those doors you leave the party pews and you go into the reality and that's what God is saying. I need you to see that. And this is what it's all about. It's about the gospel. It's about seeing the need. It's about seeing those frail. It's about seeing uh, those people that are fainting and that are scattered. Missionaries will come through this month and they will say, hey, you know, we've been, we've been sent and we need a dozen more. And God says, I want you to see what I'm seeing. The fields are ripe. Let me give you an illustration so that you can see how desperate the world is. So, in this town that we live in, Eastland Baptist Church, we're surrounded by other churches here. And I can say we have a fair sizable number of Christians. So let me say tomorrow, I step out and go to, let's say, a marketplace or where people do business, and I park my car and step out and say, hey, can, can somebody help me? You know, people are, people are going to look at me weird. They'll think, is that, is that guy normal? Is that guy normal? That person is weird. 
What about if I step out and say, hey, can somebody tell me about Jesus? And I, I want to know about Jesus. We're also living in a postmodern uh, post era where a lot of people, they're kind of timid about their faith. So people might just look at me weird or, you know, something, but it might take me 20, 30, 40, an hour of saying, hey, can somebody tell me about Jesus? I want to know Jesus. So it'll take some time. And then somebody will, you know, somebody will say, hey, you know, come, you know, let, let me show you something. Let me take my Bible, I have my New Testament. Let me show you how you can uh, be 100% sure if you die today, you go to heaven. You know, I got a gospel track in my, in my glove box. Come, let me give it to you. You know, I know my pastor. Let me take you to my pastor's office and he can, he can show you from the scripture how you can get saved. Or I know this website where you can go and download some materials. Or I know this Christian radio where you can listen to and grow in your faith. That kind of thing. What I'm trying to say is that even if you go to New York City, one of those large cities in America, or even the small towns in America, at the end, you still find somebody to tell you about God. You know why? Because we are founded on Christian principles. You know, whether that remains to be true, it's yet to be seen. But what I'm saying is that America was founded on a biblical principle. So it will not take you long before you find somebody to tell you about God. Now, let us cross over and go to some other areas, which we call the restricted. And what I mean by restricted, it means these areas, they are, con they are heavily controlled by Islamic religion, Hinduism, Buddhism. And I'm talking in particular, I'm talking of areas like Sub-Saharan Africa, 1040 windows. And what they say is nine out of 10 times, you can count from when you were born, you were born today. And, and in that moment, if you, if you start speaking from that moment that you were born, and you can, you can go, you can, you can start saying, hey, can somebody tell me about Jesus? I want to know about God. And nine out of 10, you will die before you meet one Christian. Does something about that need to change? There's something about that need to change. And see, and God is saying here, pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that you send forth labors. And, and he's talking about it in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 to verse 48. You know where he was? He was right in the heart of 1040 window in sub-Saharan Africa when he spoke those words. And that area still remains an area that needs to be rich with the gospel among, in, among many other areas of the world. So God is saying, hey, I want you to see what I'm seeing. The fields are ripe. They are ripe. People are desperate. They are dying with no shepherd. And we need more labors. God is saying, who will go? Who will go? Who will go? 
What I'm trying to simply say is that we are not yet done. I want to encourage you this month to pray. And you see, this month, it's not just about raising funds for missions. This month is literally about looking into our own hearts. And when you look into your own hearts, you come to find that, that God is more interested in you getting right with him. Because God is saying, hey, you know what? We are going to be, we are going to be uh, reevaluating our missions giving. But God is saying, don't just pray about what you're going to do when it comes to missions. God is saying, beyond that, I want you to see, are you right with God? Are you right with God? Because he says, hey, that's the most important thing that I want you to see because at the end of the day, when you die, you need to have a home in heaven. And so my question is tonight, if you die today, where would you go? And as I invite the pastors to come and do invitation, I, wa I, want, you to, I want you to look into what God wants you to do. I want you to look into your own heart and see what is God telling you about his work? What is God talking to you about his personal relationship with him? And may the Lord help us. Let us pray. Father, I pray as the pastor comes, let us, to, let us uh, examine our own hearts. Lord, help us to desire to be closer to you. We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.